Hey, it's Scott Orner, Cruise Consulting, and thanks for joining us on Founders and Friends for another awesome podcast. Let's give a quick shout out to the Cruise Consulting accounting team. We're very fortunate. We have a ton of people at Cruise who work on the monthly books for our clients and get them all set up, due diligence ready, rocking every month, answering all the clients' questions, making all those adjustments. And there's no better moment for a founder and for us, really, when founder says, hey, I think I'm going to get a term sheet. Are my books ready for diligence? And we get to say, yes, they are. Fire away. Send them over. Give them access. That is a great feeling. It's the feeling that lets us know we've done a job very well done. And nothing is better than watching that cash hit the bank account. So if you are a venture-backed startup, you're going out to fundraise, maybe check us out. Check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. We love what we do. At taping here, I think we have 575 clients. Clients raise over a billion dollars this year. So we know what we're doing. And hopefully we can help you be successful in your fundraise. All right, let's get to the podcast. Thanks. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise from Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Orn. Welcome to Founders and Friends podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Mike Dombrowski of Interprime. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me, Scott. It's great to have you here. You are a trusted friend, partner of Cruise, and you specialize in cash management, which is something that every startup needs to think about. So I want to have you on the podcast. Yep. Maybe you can just kind of retrace your career a little bit and tell us how you found Enterprise and why you thought it was so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. My background, I've been on Wall Street my whole career. Uh, started out as a equity trader, then went into portfolio management, managing bank portfolios, primarily focused on interest rate risk and risk management. Uh, then I started my own company inside of another company where I was basically advising uh, bank portfolios of how to manage their money. So the big banks like Bank of America, JP Morgan, any, any and all of them also hedge funds, etc. And I built that company, call it a, a close to 12, 15 years. I think I was just getting burnt out. And I said, okay, I think it's time for me to maybe transition, you know, let's get out of Wall Street, right? Because once yeah, you get into yeah, Wall Street, yeah. you never get to leave, right? Um, so I was like, let's try to maybe find something in fintech, in the tech world, right? Uh, at the same time, I was starting to do a little bit of um, fancying myself as like an angel investor through syndicates, et cetera. I went through and I was watching the live presentations of YC and Enterprise came across the stage. And during their two minute pitch, where they were talking about being focused on cash management for startups and using technology to give cash management techniques to companies that generally won't have the access to them because, you know, if they don't have a hundred million, $200 million, you know, the Goldman Sachs of the world, et cetera, won't help them with cash management. So I was like, that's very interesting. This is my background. This is in the tech space. It kind of blends both of them together. So I did what every, uh, you know, hard, hardworking person does sent out a cold email to the founders. Yeah. And from that point forward, had a engaging conversation. And then we stayed in contact for about a year and then I guess my, uh, one of my keys of life is being pleasantly persistent. And I, I imagine over that time, I provided them some sort of value and you know, kind of went from there to me joining the company as the head of capital markets. I love it. Cold emails work, number one. Yes. And you talked about the persistence that really does matter and it works. And especially in early stage startups, that's really, really cool. Yeah. And so what's the, what's the enterprise pitch? Like, you know, how do you guys... Uh, and ladies, uh, portray yourself and, and how do you help startups? Mainly for us is we're tech forward first. We're a technology company first, right? So we're leveraging technology to automate 
a lot of the processes that cash managers or CFOs or treasurers would have to do. Things like hunting for bank CDs, figuring out your burn rate, understanding how much money you know you should or should not have in your bank account because of risk parameters, things of that nature. So we take that all off their plate, right? So if, if you're an early stage company, you may not have the budget to hire somebody or even want to do it. You can outsource it to us where we're basically an extension of your team. If you're a little bit larger and you have somebody that actually does do that function of finance, we can jump in there and we help them actually take things off of their plate so they could focus on more important tasks instead of dealing with banks and all that other type yeah. of stuff. We, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. use technology to offload all of that stuff for them. I love it. And so the startup founder or the accounting firm that's working with the startup founder, what they just reach out to you at Interprime and, and how does the, the kind of flow or service process work? Yeah, absolutely. This happens quite frequently because we're very big on partnerships, as you know. Right. So just as an example, we just had a company from a, a, a focused accounting firm for tech companies. One of their customers raised a series A. He said, you know, you don't need to be keeping all this money simply in your bank account. You need to start doing something else for that. Let me introduce you to these, uh, this team over here at Interprime. They introduced him to us and the process is pretty simple, straightforward. We have a conversation, understand, you know, risk parameters, you know, what they're trying to accomplish with their cash, et cetera. And then we walk them through a process. We help them install uh, an investment policy, which is basically their playbook of how they're going to manage their money. From that point forward, we help them get the accounts in place, fund the accounts, and then we invest it, uh, the monies for them based on their investment policy. And it's basically set it and forget it for, for them from that point forward. You know, they can check in with us as much as they want. They can go directly through our web portal and see all their accounts, what they have, their assets, what they're earning, et cetera, et cetera. And it's basically just on, at that point, it's automated and just moves forward. I love it. And you talked about the investment policy, which is something that probably every startup should have. I mean, can you talk about that? And then you have a lot of free resources about that, right? Yes, 100%. First and foremost, every company should have an investment policy, especially if you're taking investor funds. And all an investment policy is, it's not a legally binding document. You know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on the internet, right? Um, but it but it does outline <laughs> all the things that are going to be pertinent to your company. So things like how much money you're going to keep in your bank account, uh, how much you're going to move to your bank account when you need the funds in your operational account, if you will, what you can and cannot invest in, who's going to be managing this type, how often are you going to look at it? And quite honestly, it is a pain to create one of those. So what we did is we created something called uh, the Standard Investment Policy for Startups, also known as the SIPs. Uh, it is a free resource that we created. We've had multiple uh, law firms, VC firms, CFO firms, accounting firms, all look at the document and basically become quote unquote supporters by saying, you know, the language in this document is valid. This is what you should be doing and they've become supporters of it. And it is a free resource on our site. I'm sure you'll probably give people the link to it or they can email me directly, however they wanna do it. Um, but that is the cornerstone of any good cash management program for a company is the investment policy. And even if you're a founder, think of it this way, it's kind of CYA. You know, if you're taking investor dollars and you know, buy that whole construct, right? You need to be using their, their money in a proper fashion. So having an investment policy both shows them and your team that you're going to be using the money correctly in a very prudent fashion. I totally, I actually recommend people bring it up and get it approved at their board meetings. Yes. Especially when you get into that like 15 to $50 million capital raise zone, which yep. is happening a lot more often these days. That's Those are real dollars to put into a cash management program. Yep. 
And you mentioned the CYA cover your tushy part of that, which is I've I've seen we talked about this like a couple weeks ago, but like I've seen some cash management programs go wrong, like really wrong for startups. Yep. And it's really sad because the people who build a startup or start a startup, they're not doing it to be like financial engineers or they're doing it to change the world and build a technology or 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 address a, a need. And yet they can get kind of sidetracked or maybe not or sold on something that's not not kosher. You know, I always think of things in terms of like safety, liquidity and yield, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Sure. But like like I've seen founders get fired from their own companies because they had their cash um, in riskier assets than they really realized Yep. and riskier assets than the board ever authorized. And exactly. you also have to remember you're a fiduciary. Like you, you are not like just some, some Joe blow that works at the company. You're a fiduciary. You're, you're liable. Yep. You have to do things the right way. And you, if you do things the wrong way, not only might you get fired from your company that you spent a lot of time building, but you might never get another chance if you're irresponsible. Exactly. So it's just, it's just like it's just a basic building block, a basic CYA, and really it'll just help the company run a little bit smoother having that documented. Absolutely, it, it checks so many boxes and just makes it so much better for everybody out there. You know, from the founder to the board to the company itself, and I, I think largely it's just education, right? A lot of founders don't even know. A, what it is, why, you know, B, why they would use it, C, what the benefits are. And that's kind of one of our main things that we do. You know, we're very content focused on educating, you know, founders and companies of what they should be doing just because they don't know. And, you know, it's, it's all about education. I totally agree. Now, when do you, when you're onboarding someone Enterprise, are you doing it with the, like, is the investment policy document, like the first thing you talk about, or how do you introduce that to the flow? It's probably quickly thereafter, uh, the initial conversation and trying to figure out mainly first things first is what's their goal, right? What is the goal with this excess capital? Clearly they're going to be using it for growth. That's what it's supposed to be for, right? We know that, but beyond that, they're not, say you raise $5 million, you're not just going to blow out $5 million right away. So there's going to be a large portion of it sitting around. Right. Yeah. So we first start with, you know, what's the goal with your excess cash? And I always said, you know, do you want it to be as safe as possible? But duh, of course, everybody does. Right. Do you want it to be liquid so you can get at it? Yes, of course. Or, or three, are you, are you very mindful or looking more for yield as the number one uh, goal? Yeah. Right. What we tend to find is most people, you know, come to two camps. They either are looking for a blend of safety and some yield. And then the second camp is what we call them yield hunters. They're just, they, they know their runway is so long that they're not going to need that, that money. So they're trying to optimize for yield and, and figure out how to generate as much money as possible off their balance sheet. That sounds like a Netflix special or something like that. Yield hunter. <laughs> um, well, let me interject my very strong opinion here, which yep. is I really believe in safety first above everything. 100%. Because again, we talked about the fiduciary. And so sometimes I'll get pitched on like super exotic cash management tools or things like that. But I really, I've seen things blow up. I was around in 2008 when Lehman went down and yep. auction rate securities were an asset class that a lot of startups have been putting money into. Right. Comerica Bank had sold that a lot to a lot of founders. And it was basically like an enhanced uh, yield and theoretically safe. Right. But when the blow up happened in the financial system, they were frozen. Those assets were frozen. And so a lot of startups, like we had a, we had a biotech company that had like 35 million in cash, which was a huge amount back then. Yeah. And something like 30 or 32 million was stuck in auction rate securities. Oh my God. Of course, the CEO, of course, the CFO got fired. Sure. The company basically collapsed. 
all because they had just done the wrong cash management, right? You know, tool or strategy. So safe. You're, you're again, you're not a financial engineer. You're building a company. Keep that money safe. It's great to like get some extra yield, but just safety should be your first requirement in my humble opinion. You're absolutely hundred percent correct. And that is our opinion as, as well. Like we put them in three, three, three steps, right? First is safety over everything. Second yeah. priority is liquidity because yeah. you know, you, yeah. need that, you need to be able to get at it. And a distant third is returns or yield. And yep. that, that's the way people should be thinking about it. Most people flip it on the other way and think yield, liquidity and safety, but you know, risk, is paramount over everything even you know just thinking about it right some people don't even know if you have over $250,000 in your bank account you're technically at risk right to your point about maybe payment, explain why why the government doesn't ensure that that just because it's not good <laughs> right <laughs> it's just fdic protection from the government caps out there and then beyond that what you should be thinking about doing is you know start thinking about treasury bills very safe assets Safest asset in the world is treasury bills. Why? You own them directly. If your bank goes out of business, you own those assets. The government will eventually give you your money back, right? So step number one is anything over 250, you got to immediately start thinking more serious about what you're doing with your personal money or corporate cash, right? Yeah. Just because to your point, Lehman, very outside tail risk that a bank will go down. It does happen. Why even be involved with that, right? Like, there's no no sense in even doing that. So, yeah, there's always this outlier black swan event possible. I mean, yeah, we're taping this in October of 2021, and like, you know, uh, China could fire fire a rocket at Taiwan, exactly, or something could happen in the Middle East, or yeah. something could happen in in uh, Latin America, or you know, there could be a terrorist attack in the United States. Whatever it is, I don't mean to fear monger, like. I'm just bringing up stuff that could happen. Sure. And you have to ask yourself, like, well, what, if I woke up tomorrow and something like that happened, what would, where would my cash be and would I be able to access it? And the reason why I bring that up is you, you will for sure get an email from at least one of your VCs that morning asking you that very question. And we saw when COVID hit, when a lot of founders who didn't have the greatest financial hygiene couldn't answer like basic cash runway burn rate statistics it's it's one of the reasons why cruise has grown a lot is because they didn't have like they didn't have a policy they didn't have a process yep so do that now heaven forbid that something like that happens but at least you'll be prepared and you'll also build a lot of confidence in your in your investors 100 in your team like people just know they're in good shape they're fine and they can move on right exactly and let's be honest it's not hard to do it's very it's very no. it's you know, some people are like, oh, it's so time consuming. It's going to take me weeks and weeks and months to implement all these different things. It's 100% not true. It is possible. And even if you don't want to do it, that's why a company like Interprime's around, right? Yeah. You know, we, could, we could do it for you and, and leverage it and cut your time and significantly less. Hey, it's Scott Orn. And we're going to take a quick break from the podcast to give a shout out to the Cruise Tax Team. Gosh, it's so nice to have an in-house tax team. I can't even tell you. Uh, we have some really amazing professionals on the team. It's over, I think it's 13 people now. And we do everything from your federal state income tax return, state franchise tax filings, R&D tax credits. Those are pretty popular these days. And guess what? They're there for you when you go through diligence. A lot of people don't know this, but you actually go through tax diligence, not just operational kind of financial diligence, but you do go through tax diligence. So it's nice to have Vanessa Cruz on the phone with your VCs and with the accounting firm they hired to diligence all your stuff, 
in the law firm. They hired to diligently stuff. Vanessa knows what she's doing. She's done this a million times. And, uh, and not, it's not just Vanessa. We have a really great team of tax professionals that will do those calls too. It's, it's kind of sometimes the difference between getting around closed or having it take another two weeks because something was disorganized and the tax compliance wasn't done correctly. We hear those horror stories from clients that come to us. So, hey, if you want Cruz's tax team on your side, we're here for you. Check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. Thanks. And so we talked about safety, you know, this either bank, but you're not, you're not covered over insured, you know, over 250K. So then you got to start buying treasuries and other super safe assets. Yep. Can you talk about the liquidity aspect of this? And maybe this is a good moment to talk about some like the bond laddering and some of the stuff you do to make sure not just the company has access to cash, but is, has cash rolling off over time to, to fund the runway basically. Yeah. And I think an easy way to kind of like talk about that is I can kind of give you an example of, of like a process that people will go through and which we do with them all the time. Right. So first, first things first, you know, you got to know what your burn is, you know, if your burn's going to be increasing, et cetera. Then from there, way to think about it is three to six months worth of your burn probably should be either in your operational account or between your operational account and T-bills. Why? T-bills again, safest, investment in the world, thanks to the US government backing, they're, they're liquid almost instantaneously, and the money will be in your account the very next day. So that's that's building block number one. Building block number two is when you start going into the other assets that are out there in the world that, that can pay you. So you have bank CDs, everybody knows about those. They're not as liquid uh, as a treasury. And then there's also investment grade corporate bonds. So you would be buying bonds of companies like Google, Starbucks, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of like your three main players, right? So your first bucket is operational money for next day liquidity. Then from there, you start implementing the other assets to go for the yield, right? Because the structure is safety, liquidity, and then yield, right? So then how do you do that? You start doing a bond ladder, like you mentioned. Uh, We just posted a a blog post on that, what a bond ladder is. Mm. I'll send you the link to that as well. It's actually uh, a great way to, I I say it's um, building your money machine. Right, because <laughs> what the bond ladder does is it allows you to buy chunks that are of bonds that are maturing in different times. So, say three months in the future, six months in the future, nine months, twelve months, etc. Right, and and as you're asking, what happens is as those bonds mature, your money comes back to you that you can redeploy either into your business, right, or you go back to the market and look for new assets to redeploy to. Yeah. And you, you can roll it over basically, right? You roll, if, if you don't need the money, you roll it over into another duration yep. or time frame that fits, fits what your burn rate is going to be a hundred percent. And you know, you can do fancy things if you want, right? Say, you know, that you're going to have a um, specific bill due in nine months, you can actually create your bond ladder. So, you know, the money would come due at that time to pay for that expense. Or, you know, if it wasn't a large thing, you could use it to know that the interest payment match your coupon payments and your interest payments to offset an expense in the future. So there's different ways you can kind of play with it. It's all about knowing your burn first and foremost, and then figuring out how you want that money to come back to you. Cause it's just simply, yeah. a, it's almost like a washing machine. You know, you deploy yep. it, you get reinvested, it comes back to you, you reinvest it and you just continue on and on and on. Like uh, Ron Popeil says, set it and forget it. Right, you remember, you remember that old infomercial? <laughs> I have heard of that. What is, what is the, um, like for folks, maybe this is a segue to like, the the third thing which is just like yield or return 
I mean, what's the advantage of doing the bond laddering and planning out your liquidity like that in terms of like, is there a quantitative benefit that you can articulate or what should people be expecting? Yeah, well, the, the main thing around the bond laddering to kind of help you there, it's called uh, uh, interest rate uh, risk, right? So what that means is basically you're buying bonds, just as an example, that are paying you, you know, 1%. Well, in six months, when those bonds come back and mature, that money comes back to you. Well, now if the market's paying you 2%, you're now automatically just going to go back to the market and redeploy those dollars at a higher interest rate, right? So that's kind of one of the main features of the ladder, right? You can keep going back to the market and hopefully capturing higher interest rates over time. Now, yeah. conversely, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it does go the other direction, right? And the yields could go lower. Um, but that's just all market dependent anyway. Yeah. You also can buy, like there's something called duration risk, which is like basically the longer you have your money locked up, you should theoretically be compensated for that. Yes. So like the latter is helpful. Say you've got, I'm just going to pick a number, 30 months of cash, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you probably don't need at least 12 months of that cash for at least yep. a year, maybe two, you know, like you can plan it out. So yep. you can buy a little bit longer dated treasury. Yep. Um, and pick up a little bit of interest, extra interest there, right? Versus yep. like if you bought a super short-term bond with that money, you might not, you might get a tiny, tiny bit of interest. Exactly, right. The, the shorter the maturity, the less you're going to get paid. The longer the maturity, you're definitely going to get paid a little bit more. Yep. Uh, yep. The, cash, the cash management, we tend to preach staying 13 months or less in terms of maturity. If you're a very mature company, that's when you could start considering maybe two years, three years, four, Makes five sense. years, five years in the future. But generally speaking, if, you know, Call maybe not even up to like a series C or D company, you're, you're probably not going to go too far out beyond 13, you know, 15 I like months. that. I like 13. Yeah, that's really smart. And you mentioned earlier the difference between like government, like US bonds and like the Google or Starbucks bonds. Mm -hmm. Can you just explain that a little bit more? Like, why do people, what, why would someone buy the Google Starbucks stuff instead of the, the U.S. stuff? Right. Well, U U U.S. Treasuries obviously are backed by the government, right? So that's what makes them the safest asset in the world. As long as the U.S. government can pay their bills, you'll get your money back. If they if they yep. can't, let's be honest, we're all going to be in a lot worse situation than worrying about get your T-bill money back, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you have that problem. And then in, in the corporate bonds, one of the main things is to think about is you want your cash to be as safe as possible, right? So you need to only buy bonds, in our opinion, of the highest quality companies, meaning massive cash on their balance sheet, large cash flows, et cetera, et cetera. Why? Because you know the money will come back to you. Also, that being said, you know, the bonds and the debt stack if a company does go bankrupt is higher than everybody else. So whereas if you're just owning the stock per se and you're getting dividends, they'll cut their dividend before they stop paying their bondholders. Yeah. So yeah, it is yeah. a, it's again, it's a, you know, you do get incremental returns by going to a corporate bond, but long as you're buying of the soundest companies, you're very close to almost getting a similar equation to safety of a, a U.S. government bond. Yeah. And there's rating agencies and things like that. You can't always trust the rating agencies. We learned in the 2008 yep. time frame, but like the rating agencies are going to be very, very accurate for all intents and purposes on the Google, Starbucks, 100, 100%. You know, those kind of companies. 100%. I mean, math is math, right? So you'll, you'll know with pretty decent clarity and we love to leverage them. Everybody should leverage the rating agencies. Why the, the people that are doing the number crunching there are serious about their jobs. Yeah. Right. So just as an example for us, you know, in our investment policies, we only buy corporate investment grade corporate bonds that are triple B plus and above on the S&P rating. 
And there's actually investment grade levels that are below triple B plus, but we choose to even just not even look at those companies at all and only look for triple B plus and above. Yeah. Why? Again, reducing risk, focus on the strongest, healthiest corporate companies out there of the bonds that you're buying. Makes perfect sense. That's amazing. This is a really good primer. I really do recommend that everyone check out you guys. I think it's on the, do you have the URL for the the Interprime investment policy template? Uh, yes, it is uh, interprime.co backslash SIPS, S-I-P-S. Yeah, that's really, really great. And, you know, feel free to, I mean, you guys, you've also written a ton of really good content. Thank you. And feel also ask your accountant, like this is something we answer for our clients all the time. It really, it becomes important when the companies are raising a lot of big, a lot of money like they are right now. Because you can move the needle a little bit and still be safe. 100%. You know, you might be able to, like, sometimes I'll say, like, you know, spending a little bit of time still maintaining safety, but finding a slightly higher yield can maybe pay for an engineer every year. You know, the, the extra yield you get in cash yep. on your on your cash can can help you finance one more hire. And one more hire is, is, is meaningful for a startup. So, yep. but I, I want, I love to end just by saying, like, please, please. Be safe with your money. Make oil sales people everywhere, especially on Wall Street, because yep. the 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 you know the return to them for getting you to do something unnatural with your money is very high. So right. just be careful. You again, you you joined a startup or you found a startup to build your dream, and you just don't want to be one of those those unfortunate stories that happens. You know, when when something goes wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even a point on that is like you know, as a founder, you are a fiduciary. So always only, only work with fiduciaries, right? And what a lot of people don't even know is your bank. So if your bank is providing you cash management services, they are not your fiduciary. They are, they are your bank to provide and sell you things, you know? So always keep that in your mind. I always like to say, cause we are Interprime is a fiduciary. So one of my things I always like to say is when you're working with your bank, they're sitting on the other side of the table with you. When you're working with Interprime, we're sitting next to you. That's really cool. I like that. Can you tell everyone where to find you and how to reach out if they want to work with you? Yeah, absolutely. Interprime.co is obviously the website for Interprime. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Mike Dombrowski. I'm also on Twitter at Mike J. Dombrowski if you want to get to me there. And then it's Mike at Interprime.co if you want to email me. Love it. Mike, thank you so much. Say hi to the whole Enterprise family for us. Will do, Scott. Really appreciate you coming on and, t and telling the story. Absolutely. It's great talking yeah. to you. Hi, buddy. Thank you. See ya. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise from Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Oh.